steadfastly toward heaven. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you gaze up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. They went back to Jerusalem, uh, a Sabbath day's journey from Mount Olivet, the disciples gathering together in the upper room. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and the number of them were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled which the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David spake concerning Judas. Someone should take the place of Judas, somebody who accompanied the Lord and the disciples, beginning with John until that same day he was taken up, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And when they prayed, they chose two fellows, uh, one called uh, Bosibus and one called Matthias, and they prayed together to show which one of the two should be the apostle. They cast lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast begins this Bible study in Acts chapter 1, verses 11 through 26, and we want to thank you for listening along with us. Here, Luke writes that after the two angels had questioned the disciples, they then assured them, that this same Jesus would return in just the same way as they saw him ascend into heaven. Dr. Mitchell gives us several scriptures concerning the coming of the Lord, both in the air at the rapture and his coming to earth at his second coming. Luke then writes that the eleven disciples, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' half-brothers all went to an upper room where they held a prayer meeting. You'll also know that two of Jesus' brothers, James and Jude, also wrote books. Well, let's turn on our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 11, as Dr. Mitchell shares with us our Lord Jesus Christ. Good day, friends. We come to you again with studies in the book of Acts, and we're in the first chapter, and in our last lesson we were dealing with the ascension of our Savior. You remember in verse 8 you have the responsibility put upon the disciples by the Savior that they would receive power, the Spirit of God coming upon them. They were to be his witnesses all over the world. Witnesses of a Savior who came, who lived, who died, who was raised again from the dead and exalted to God's right hand. 
And then we were dealing in our last lesson with the ascension of our Lord. And I would again press upon you this fact that our Lord left the earth for the same body that was on the cross and in the tomb, raised from the dead. And today we have a most marvelous thing. We've got a man at God's right hand, touched with a feeling of our infirmities, one who has gone to prepare a place for us, one who will receive the glory of his Father. You remember when he said in John 17, 5, Glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He came to the earth on a mission. He completed that mission. He could say, I have finished the work you gave me to do. Now glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And today we have on the throne of God in the very heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens. He's our representative before the Father. He's there interceding for us in our frailty and our weakness. He's advocating our case when we fail. You ever stop to think of it? He's able to succor those that are tested. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and he says, come with boldness to the throne of grace, and there obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm quoting from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, chapter 7, verse 25, chapter 9, verse 24, and 1 John chapter 2, the first two verses. The marvelous thing that our Savior went to the glory to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. So here we see in the book of Acts chapter 1, the preparation by God for the, uh, for the church to be his witnesses throughout the whole earth. And his ascension, he must be on the throne, he must be at the place of authority. That's why he could say in Matthew 28, all authority is mine in heaven and in earth. And there could be no giving of the Spirit of God to his people until the Lord was on the throne. Now, the Lord said this. You can't read John chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16 without realizing when he said, I will pray the Father, and he will send you another comforter, whom I will send unto you from the Father. So, in John chapter 7, the Spirit was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. But to me, the marvelous thing is, is that he should take redeemed sinners and make them his channels through whom he will work. And as you read the book of Acts, you find that the Lord went with them, confirming his word in power, in tenderness, in compassion, in zeal. And you can't read from chapter 2 through 28 of Acts without realizing there's no answer to it except the Spirit of God took these these men who were called ignorant men, and through them, trusted to them, the tremendous job of relating to the world the good news concerning God's Son. So they were equipped to teach and to preach the Word of God. No wonder they were bold in their witness. And again I say, the ascension of our Savior was just as real to them as the death and resurrection of our Lord. Now, in verses 10 and 11, we have the promised return. A rather an amazing thing, isn't it? It talks about his death, his resurrection. 
his, his uh, exaltation to the right hand of God, and now we have his promised return. Verses 10 and 11, And while they looked up steadfastly toward heaven, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you gaze up into heaven? Why do you stand there lifting up your eyes to heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now remember, he has just given his final word. You're to be my channels of expression. You're going to be my witnesses all over the world. And while he talked to them, give them the final word, he was taken up from them in a cloud into heaven. And then these two angels, I take it the word two angels said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. You see, they were to continue to witness until his return. They had said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. That's in Father's hands. And at the right time, he will set up his kingdom. In the meantime, I give you a tremendous responsibility. They were to continue to witness until his return. And he disappeared in a cloud. And that's the way he's going to return, in a cloud. You remember in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 13, Daniel 7, 13, do you remember? It speaks of the fact where Daniel said, uh, Behold, one like the Son of Man came in the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near unto him, and there was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all people, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. Now, here's the prophecy in Daniel chapter 7. And when you come to the book of Matthew, for example, chapter the end of chapter 26, where the high priest Caiaphas said to Jesus, I adjure thee by the living God, tell us, art thou the Christ, the Son of God? Now he put Jesus under oath, and Jesus said, Yes, yes, I am. And not only so, but you'll see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also who pierced him, and all the nations of the earth shall wail because of him. This is his coming to the earth to reign. He's going to come in the clouds of heaven. Every eye shall see him. Now, may I just stop here a moment? In Thessalonians chapter 4, do you remember? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, to be forever with the Lord. This is not the fulfilling of Revelation 1-7. This is not the fulfilling of Daniel chapter 7 or of Matthew 26. Thessalonians 4 is a new revelation of the translation of the church into heaven. Not a thing is said about clouds. 
like Corinthians chapter 15, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. This mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible shall put on a immortality, incorruption. See, all going to be changed. Talking about Christians. But this is not that. This is the coming of the Lord to the earth. The revelation of the translation of the church had not yet been given. These disciples had said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, the answer of that is in verse 11. You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Here is the mention made of the coming of the Lord, the return of the Lord to the earth in a cloud. Let me quote again that verse from Revelation 1, 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see him, and they also who pierced him. And all the nations of the earth shall wail, wail, not rejoice, wail because of him, because he's going to come in his glory. He's going to come to judge. He's going to come in his righteousness. That's why when you come to the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation, you remember we read there of the last of the chapter where the kings of the earth and the great chief captains and the, every bondman, every free man shall call for the rocks and the mountains to hide them from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? Here you have the Lord coming. In answer to the question of the disciples, will you at this story this, at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. I want to get it very clear in your mind. He's talking here about the day of the Lord, when the Lord's going to return to the earth in the clouds of heaven, the fulfilling of Daniel chapter 7, Matthew chapter 26, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. When he comes back to the earth, he's going to come with clouds. Every eye is going to see him. And they that pierced him are going to see him. And all the nations of the earth, all the kindred of the earth, are going to see him. And when they see him, they're going to wail. Why? Why? Because this one whom they have spurned, this one whom they rejected, this one whom they cast out, they re crucified and made him an accursed thing. We will not have this man to reign over us. And that's true today. That's so true today. You can talk to people about the Savior. They don't want to hear about it. I'd rather not hear about it. They've closed their hearts and closed their minds. May God grant there's none listening to me today that closed their hearts and their minds to the Savior. But friend, when he comes to the earth, he's not going to come as a savior from sin. And it's Hebrews chapter 9, the last verse. Uh, he's going to come without, without respect to sin. He's going to come in righteousness to reign. And that verse I've quoted so much. When, when thy judgments are in the earth, then the inhabitants thereof learn righteousness. And that's what we have here. 
in verse 11. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven? What I'm emphasizing is this same Jesus, whom you've seen go up into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so you have these, he disappeared in a cloud, going to return in a cloud. These men lived and witnessed in fellowship with their risen Lord. And may I add, and they lived in constant expectation of seeing him whom having not seen they love. You can't read the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians without realizing the tremendous yearning of these men for the coming of the Lord. Do you remember how Paul said, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven? Or as Peter could write, we've been begotten again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Then he goes on to speak, whom having not seen we love. And yet, though we see him not, yet we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Waiting what for? The coming of the Lord. You can't read your Bible without realizing this is so. Now, from verse 13 on down through to the end of the chapter, you have the obedience of these disciples. From 13 to 26, you remember in 12 they went back to Jerusalem, uh, a Sabbath day's journey from Mount Olivet. And from verse 13 to the end of the chapter, you have the disciples gathering together in the upper room. In verse 14, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and the number of them were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David spake concerning Judas. But let me say, first of all, uh, the disciples were told to wait until they received the Spirit of God. They were told to wait. Where? In Jerusalem. How long? Until they received the Spirit of God. Now notice, there were three and a half years with the Savior. And yet, three and a half years in his school did not prepare them for the job they were to do. They were going to be his witnesses. And listen, after spending three and a half years in the presence of the Savior, where they saw his miracles, heard his gracious words, saw him on a cross, saw him after resurrection, and even though for 40 days he taught them after resurrection about the kingdom of God, they're still not ready to go out and preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. They must wait, where? At Jerusalem, until they receive the Spirit of God. And what did they do while they were waiting? They all continued in with one accord, in prayer, and in supplication. They were all with one accord, in one place, praying, discussing things, and I might say, these are the conditions for a real outpouring of the Spirit of God. With one accord, all having the same mind, of one spirit, they weren't fighting among themselves. See, I want to tell you, my friend, it's not ignorance, but woeful neglect of prayer that grieves the heart of God. 
We see here the unity of the Spirit. You see them having one purpose. They were waiting to receive the power whereby they could bear testimony of the Savior. They prayed, they waited, they transacted business. And I'm sure that while they were up in the upper room waiting, what were they doing? What do you think they were doing these 10 days? What do you think they were doing? You see, praying all the time? No, I think they were reminiscing about the what happened. You can hear Thomas saying, do you remember, Peter, what happened that day when the Lord fed 5,000? And do you remember how Andrew found the boy or the boy found Andrew? And how the Lord took five loaves and two fish and fed the whole crowd and we all had a basket foot left. You, you can just hear them rehearsing over and over again the wonderful things that Christ had done while they were among them. But they're still not ready. They have to wait for the coming of the Spirit of God whereby they can be empowered to give forth the word of life. You know, may I just say, friend, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we believers were to spend the time together of one mind, of one heart, with a passion for the Savior, so that the Spirit of God will be upon you and me, we can become flaming of bandles of the Word of God. I really believe that we have a tremendous responsibility today of reaching our generation. But how can the Spirit of God move if we're fighting among ourselves, if we're out of fellowship with God? So I see the greatest need today among us as believers is to walk in continual fellowship with the Savior and be at one with his people, of one mind, of one heart. Now, they were not talking about witnessing. Their hearts were filled with the Savior with whom they had walked for three and a half years. My, how they reminisced of the sweetness, the tenderness, the compassion of our Savior. In fact, they were in love with him. I wish we would spend more time when we're together talking about him, the one who indeed is altogether lovely. And may the Lord bless you today for his precious name's sake. Hear him knocking, hear him pleading, for he loves you, my friend. Jesus loves you, my friend, today.
he loves you, my friend. Jesus loves you, my friend, right now. Christ to live with man, let me born again. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.